You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. Uh, We're glad to have you join us on social media. I want everybody here, everybody on social media that's hearing this message today, I want you to post this, I want you to forward this. I want everybody in the world to hear this message today because this is essential that we get this and I'm excited about teaching it. So everybody that you know insists that they listen to this message today. We got to get this. I wanna start off with the word perfect. The definition of the word perfect. The definition of the word perfect is utter, absolute, flawless in all respects. Utter, absolute, flawless in all respects. That means there's no flaw anywhere. You look up the word imperfect. The definition of that means not perfect. (laughs) Not perfect. I don't want to take time and without the teaching on the fall of man and its consequences in our life, let's just begin today's message with the understanding and just with the agreement that we live in an imperfect existence. Can we just go with that today? That we just live in an imperfect existence. Life, your daily life, is just not what we would call perfect every minute of every day. The title of today's message is Living with Imperfect People. Oh, it's going to be a good one. Because everybody in the world needs to hear this message because we all are surrounded by a bunch of kooks, I tell you. Have you ever noticed just the weather is never perfect? The changes in the weather, it won't rain for two weeks, but if you plan an outside wedding, I can tell you it will rain. If you plan a picnic, your brand new vehicle has a noise in it. The house you picked out, the heater in it has a loud hum in the house that you bought. I mean, I could just go on and on and on and on all day long about our life and, and how, I mean, you have felt great all year long and the day before you leave for vacation, you get a sinus infection and a head cold. Oh, come on, really? On top of all this, you just are surrounded by imperfect people. I don't know if you've noticed, but I have. Have you noticed that you are the only person in your family that's flawless? I mean, have you noticed that? Have you noticed, and I notice this every day, that you are the only person at your work that is flawless? You're the only person there that is just perfect in every way. Have you noticed that you are the only person at your kid's school that is just flawless? Have you noticed that you're the only person in the church that is flawless? Now, I'm very sure that you know this. I'm very sure that you know this. And the reason I know that you know this is because there's never any conversation about your flaws. All of your conversation is about everybody else's flaws. So I'm sure you are aware of the fact that you are the only perfect person around. Your your flaws, your mistakes, your wrong decisions, it's never a part of your conversation. I don't talk about that. 
Now I spend the day talking about everybody else's mess-ups and what they should have done and what I told them to do and what they forgot. I can't believe they forgot this. I mean, how many times I, so I spend all my day talking about that, but I never talk about things I forget. So it, it never comes up in conversation. You know, now that I mention it, you are perfect. You're sitting there thinking, yeah, that's probably me. I'm, I'm pretty good. Now, my kid's teacher, she's a piece of work. I can tell you that right now. Have you noticed that you're wrong? You're just wrong. Your wrong way of talking, your wrong way of dealing with people, your wrong way of handling something, it just never comes up in your post. But boy, what comes up in your post is everybody else's fault and what they should have done and their wrong way of handling. And, and our, our posts are full of other people's wrongs, but you never post, man, I blew it just a while ago. I should have never done that. You don't ever read that in somebody's post. You know, when you and your mate, y'all go out to dinner with another couple and y'all visit, go out to dinner, go over to their house, have dinner, and you get back in your car, before the door closes, y'all start talking about, can you believe she said that? Can you believe? I'd have never decorated my house like that. Well, I thought that was hideous. Woo, that dessert was terrible. Well, I like mine a lot better than wait. All the way home, you talk about that other couple and what they did that was wrong and what they did you didn't like and how they decorated and how it was messed up. And you ain't never gonna believe this in a million years. But I'm going to tell you, before you got to your car and drove off, they were talking the same about y'all. I mean, before you got in your car and you got out of the driveway, they were in the house going, why did we invite them over? Can you believe, how did you see the way she had her hair fixed? Good Lord, did she think that looked good? Did she think that matched? Oh my gosh, who dressed? I mean, before you got out of the driveway, they were criticizing you. You're not going to believe it. No way I convince you. No way I can convince you that you have faults because you don't. You're perfect. Everybody else has them but not you. Daily, we're ripping our kids' school apart, the administration apart, the way they handle things, the principal. Every day, the conversation is about the principal at the school or about the teacher at the school or about your neighbor or about somebody at work. Today, I want to talk about the fact that we live our life surrounded by all of these imperfect people And it is essential, it is essential that you and I master the ability to live happy, to live blessed, and to live prosperous in the midst of imperfect people. Now, we we have to master this. Because if you don't master this, in the 12 years your child is in school, you will change schools 12 or 19 times. See, if you don't master this, you will change jobs every six months. See, if you don't master this, you will change spouses like a revolving door. We've got to learn how to live and to live happy, blessed, prosperous, successful with imperfect people. The biggest game changer in your whole life When you get a hold of this, this puts you on a path of living with imperfect people. Is Matthew 7, 3. 
Jesus taught. And, and I love Jesus' teachings. Just not all of them. And, and here's one of Jesus' teachings that I'll never have on a refrigerator magnet. I'm not ever going to have it embroidered and framed and hung in our living room. Matthew 7, 3. Why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? That, that's just not going to be on anybody's refrigerator. It's just not. Because we just can't get it. Our life is lived with such intolerance of our kid's teacher, of our boss's speck, of our neighbor's speck, of our spouse's speck. Our life is lived with a total intolerance of everybody else's speck, and we just, we just won't deal with the log in our own eye. See, we're just not going to deal with the log in our eye, and we're not going to tolerate in this generation somebody else's speck. I can tell you right now, they ain't not going to talk to me. I'll, I'll tell you, nobody's going to, I'll get, see, we're not going to tolerate somebody else's speck. Your child's school teacher, everything she does, everything she says is second guessed and is analyzed and is talked about with you and the three other moms that you're friends with of the kids in that classroom. Now, let me just say this. Not in a million years, not ever, not in a billion zillion years, would you ever be locked in one room with 27-year-olds from 8.30 to 3.30? Not ever. Not, no, not ever would I do that all day long. Not for no money. And for sure not that measly paycheck they pay the teachers. But you let her get frustrated, let her have a bad day, let her have a bad season of life that she's dealing with personally right now. Let her say something that she should not have said, and you're jerking your idol, I mean your child, out of here. Never ever, never ever will you borrow the millions of dollars that your boss has borrowed to buy the equipment, to build the company, to build all that they have built, never ever would you sign up for the pressure, the financial pressure that your boss is under. He lives with more pressure and more stress than you can imagine. He lives with dealing with lawsuits on a regular basis. Whenever he, he starts on Saturday, he's thinking about next Friday's payroll and can he make it? But see, you would never have that kind of pressure on you. But let him get frustrated. Let him have a bad season of life that he's personally in right now. Let your boss say something that he or she should not have said. And boy, you're singing the song, take this job. Here's what really cracks me up is parents. Parents. The truth is, they are at a total loss how to handle their daughter's growing hormone emotions. As a parent, they are at a total loss of how to handle their kid. 
They have no idea how to control their son or their daughter. And really, just talking to their son and daughter, just at the house, brings up nothing but a contention and nothing but a fight. They don't have no idea how to even communicate with their own son and daughter. And they send them down at school, and they team them up with a whole bunch of others that are just as difficult as your kid is, and let that teacher handle one situation wrong, and buddy, there is no slack from that parent. I can't believe the way you... You don't have a clue how to deal with your kid. But boy, you expect perfection from this teacher who's not only dealing with your kid, but a whole room full of other kids. Not for five minutes would you want your boss's pressure. You pick up your paycheck on Friday, and on Saturday, you're on the lake fishing. Let me tell you what your boss does on Saturday. He drinks Pepto-Bismol all day wondering how he can come up with the money in only six days to make payroll again. In six days, he's facing payroll again. And he's trying to figure out, now what am I going to do? And in 14 more days, I got to make it a second time from today. How am I going to pull that off while you're out on the lake fishing, running your boss down and what he said to you and how he did something? All weekend long. All weekend long, all you got to think about is how sorry your boss is. We just can't live focusing, concentrating all of our attention on the log that's in our own eye because we're consumed with the speck that is in everybody else's. I only have one more more unfavorite verse than the one I just read, and it's this one. Since I'm dealing with my most unfavorite verses, I'm put them all in this sermon so I can get them all out and I won't have to mention these again for a while. But this one's worse than the last one. Fact is, it's in Matthew 6, but it's in several places. It's in several places. God, forgive my sins with the same measurement. See, God, forgive me just like I have forgiven those who, what does it say? who in fact did sin against me. See, what they did was wrong. They lied about you. They cheated you. I'm telling you, what was done to you was wrong. I'm not making excuses. I'm not telling you to overlook it like it didn't happen. I'm not saying what they did was a a lie. What they did, they wronged you. You have been sinned against. Now, God... Forgive me, just like with the same measurement, in the same way, I forgive those who have, who wronged me. Who wronged me? There's no argument here. There is no argument. Your kid's teacher, your boss, your co-worker sinned against you. I'm not taking up for your kid's teacher. Should have never done that. Should have never said. The principal should have never dealt with it like that. That couldn't have been more wrong. Well, how do you want God to forgive you? How do do I want God dealing with me? Well, it's in the same way that I forgive. Are y'all getting this? It's all right. There's not a lot of amens. I'm good. Have you ever done anything or said anything that was wrong? In hindsight, looking back, 
after the heat of the emotion is over, after the instant response is over, and you look back and evaluate it, have you ever said anything that was wrong? Come on, come on, yes. Three days later, while everybody's come, I see what should have been said in that situation. But in the heat of the moment, right then, all these kids were around me, everybody was screaming, we had a problem, and I did this, and I mean, clearly I could have handled, well, couldn't you have handled that better? I sure could have. I sure could have, but right then, that's just what happened. Well, right here, at this point in our day, this is the moment in time that you teach your child the art of forgiveness. See, at this moment in time is when you teach your child the ability to let wrongs go and you move forward. This is not the time that you want to teach your child to gossip and backbite and rip your teacher's head off and quit and stop and take this job and I'm out here. See, now is the time you impart to your teenager, no, 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 no. Yes, I'm okay, I got it. I'm tired of hearing about how wrong that was. I agree, they blew it. Your response is, because let me just tell you something, young lady, you have caused your teacher a bunch of trouble too. And she has had to overlook your mouth and your lip and your attitude. She's had to overlook you for a whole year. Here it's your turn now to let that go and both of y'all go. See, now is a valuable moment in time for a parent to instill a value in their child's life that will take them a year that your child spends in a classroom, in fact, with a horrible teacher. A year in the classroom that your child spends with a horrible teacher and you're able to teach them to make great grades, to stay committed, to work hard, and to maintain a good attitude will be more valuable lessons in life than they will learn in five years of having a great teacher. We're going to have to raise a generation that understands forgiveness, that understands tolerance of people's specks in their eye, that understands nobody is perfect. Your responsibility is to work hard, succeed, and do good in an imperfect situation. Let me just ask for a minute, how does God see imperfect people? We're talking about how we work with imperfect people. Let me ask you, how does God see imperfect people? We talk about Hebrews 11 often in this church because it is the faith chapter. It's the great hall of fame of faith. These are people that God refers to as great men and women of faith. And he lists them. We go down through there and start looking at that list. And you see Abraham and Sarah, they lied and they conned. And you see Noah who got drunk and caused his kids all kinds of trouble. You see Moses who in a fit of rage murdered a man. You read on down the list and then you get to Rahab. God used her mightily. Anybody know what her occupation was, by the way? Rahab was a prostitute. What would it look like on your Facebook page when you found out that your kid's school teacher had a nighttime job making some extra money. I'm, you know, Rahab. 
But how would you refer to your kid's school teacher that had a little night job on the side? What about David? I like David. King David, a a man, the Bible says, after God's heart. The greatest king and leader of God's people. God used him mightily. Oh my goodness. Adulterer. He got the woman pregnant. He had her husband killed. Now, I wonder what the conversation would be in the break room if you found out one of your co-workers just had an adulterous affair, got the girl pregnant and killed her husband. I mean, what would y'all talk about in the break room? Mighty man of God? No, let's move on. What about the apostle Paul? He wrote much of the New Testament. To say God used him mightily would be a huge understatement. What would your conversation on your page be if you found out that the guy in your church, he changed his name? There's a guy in our church, he changed his name. His name used to be Saul. And do you know that he oversaw the stoning death of other Christians? Now, how would you like it if you found out that about a man in your church? I can tell you right now, I'm not, if he ever's in youth group, I'm getting my kid, I can tell you right now, my kid will never go to children's church as long as she's in there teaching those, I kid, I'm getting my kid out of children's church. Come on, where are we? Cover to cover in the Bible, we see God using mightily imperfect people to do mighty works but we're not letting them have anything to do with us and they're not teaching my kid and they're not, and I'm not gonna go and we're not gonna do this. Come on. If God uses imperfect people, I wonder if there's any chance that I could. There's a familiar passage in the Bible in 1 Corinthians. Everybody knows this. Let me just quickly read it to you. Talking about the body. The body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says I'm not a part of the body because I am not a hand, That does not make it less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange your body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. I don't know why my mind thinks some of the thoughts that I think, or I don't know where I come up with these, but I was reading that not long ago, and this is where this sermon came from. All of a sudden, when I read that, I started thinking, do you think for one minute that the ear agreed with the decision or liked the decision to pierce it? (laughs) Y'all read that scripture? Have you ever thought about that? Well, you gotta ask yourself these questions. Do you think the ear agreed with the head's decision to stick a needle through it? You think the ear was all that excited about that decision? But I started looking at that and I thought it didn't get mad. It didn't get offended. How can anybody do that? How can anybody do it? If Okay, I see the way we treat people in this body. 
okay, that's good. Now I know how people are treated in this body. And if you think I'm staying in this body with people sticking needles and cramming them through people's lobes and stuff, I'm not a part of this body. Ear just hung around there. Kind of bled a little while. Put a little ice on it, but it finally got okay. By the way, it's looking gorgeous today with a little thing hanging in. I mean, just a thought. And I thought this last night. I had to have some more wood on that fire right now. And, you know, it had to be right now. And so I didn't have time to go put on some shoes. So I ran outside. Now, across gravel and across the frozen ground, and then the wooden deck with just a little sheet of ice on it to get that wood. And I started thinking, I wonder if my foot was all that excited about the decision my head made for it to run across that ice. But it just stayed there. Didn't get mad, didn't get offended. If that's the way the decision, okay, okay, I see how we make decisions around here. I'm not going to be treated like this. Nobody's going to step on, nobody's going to put me in ice like, nobody's going to step on rocks like this. Just as long as we know, I know how y'all do around here, so I'm leaving. Never say, I don't need you. Never say, I don't need you. I remember getting contacts for the first time and making the decision to poke a piece of glass in my eye. You're not going to believe this, but my eye was not all that excited. I'm telling you, I was like going into convulsions and I was trying to hold my eye open. I couldn't. Tara got, I said, you got to help me. So she starts laughing. She starts yelling at me. She gets both of her hands trying to hold my eye open. I got my other one and I'm trying to stick this in there. And my eyes just jumping up and down and going crazy. My eye did not like that decision. Not at all. And I mean, we had a fight over that. We had a fight over that day after day after day after day. But it's amazing. The eye never got offended. It never left the body. It just stayed here. And you know what? After a period of time, it began to see the benefit of that decision that it didn't see when it was first happening. I'm preaching a whole lot better than y'all are listening at this point. Never say, I don't need you. In spite of the decision that you agree or disagree with, in spite of what they did down there at that school, what, what, what about it being our school? What about it being our church? What about it what, down there at that church? Okay, I see the way they do down at that church. What, what about it being our company? What about it being, this is our company. I can tell that company down there, I see the way they make decisions down there. Well, what about it being ours? And we lock arms and we're in this thing together. After a while, you see the good that that produced. And after a horrible situation with a teacher, after a horrible situation with a school administration, after a horrible situation at their first job, your teenager grew up learning how to handle wrongs, learning how to handle injustices, and stay committed to working hard and doing good. I didn't like it. 
I didn't agree with it. But down the road, I see beneficial fruit from it. Don't ever say, I don't need you. I'm so, so very proud of our school's basketball program and the victories of our teams. It's just amazing. The victories that we're seeing in our school, the academic victories just continue to supersede the state's average. The spiritual development, you know, as we're helping parents who are trying to spiritually impart into their children, as we're helping them develop their children spiritually, and as we're helping them in every area of life. Our basketball program, our volleyball programs, our athletics is vital to life because our coaches, we're not into producing some pro ball player, but we are into producing young people that understand how you get a wrong call in life and you keep playing hard. They understand, you bet. They understand how to get, I got got it, it was a bad call. It was a bad call, I got it. But don't start crying and pouting and pooching your lip out and coming over here and just take me out. I'm gonna sit on the bed. Get your rear out there and you work harder than you will work. See, our kids are learning valuable life lessons. Playing hard, keeping focused. You keep playing hard. Sometimes the calls go your way, most of the time they don't go your way. That has nothing to do with you. You play hard. You stay focused on your job, on your position, on what you're assigned to do in your area. You stay in your area and you stay doing what you're assigned to do and you let the calls in life come and go. See, coaches, they impart into our young people one of the most valuable lessons in life. And I hear coaches saying this, don't let them get in your head. Don't let that bad call get in your head. Don't let that wrong call get in your head. Don't let, see what happens is, is when what was said or what was done gets in your head, it will alter the way you play and you produce. But you will be altered in life when you let wrong calls get in your head. Referees gonna make some bad calls because they're imperfect. You just keep playing ball and you keep playing hard. All of you young singles, I want you to know this. To stay married, you will have to master living with imperfect. You'll have to master living with imperfect. I did want to bring this out today because I do feel so sorry for the single women in our church. And I do feel sorry for them because my wife got the last perfect husband. And I just wanted to I mean, we just need to deal with the obvious. So that leaves you only with the ability to choose an imperfect mate. That's all that's left out there for you. And so what I'm telling you is, if you're going to get married and stay married, you will have to develop the ability to live with imperfect people. Are you getting this? For generations, parents instilled this into our kids. We instilled this into our kids. But somehow, we've become a very intolerant generation where nobody is going to say anything to us that hurts our feelings or offends us in any way. And if they do, we're quitting. We're out of here. You can take this job. You can have this. I'm not going to stop. No, I'm not putting up with this, not for one minute. We've become a very, very intolerant 
generation of people and some way, somehow, we're going to have to turn this around because if you're going to live blessed and successful, if you're going to live happy, you will have to master the ability to live with imperfect people. You'll have to master the ability to live with imperfect situations. My favorite is to read and to hear people post and say how great their new job is, how great their new boss is, how wonderful their new school is. It's just how they've moved into a new neighborhood and how wonderful this new neighborhood is. And Terry and I always, we just smile at each other and we say, let's wait till the honeymoon is over before we make all of those posts. And oftentimes I think to myself, they will be saying something negative about that place in a very short time because they don't have the ability to live with imperfect people. If you don't have the ability to live with imperfect people, I don't care how great your new job or your new school or your new teacher or your new church. I don't care how great this is. You have finally gotten to a wonderful place. They're only posting that because the honeymoon is not over. Are you hearing this today? I've been working on this message for many weeks, but I chose to deliver it today because it's Valentine's Day. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love never fails. And to master living with imperfect people, you have to come to a place in your life where you are led by love. Where you are led, your love for your kid's teacher, your love for your kid's coach, your love for your kid's school, your love for your boss, your love for the fact that he gave you a job, your love for the fact that you're not unemployed. You love, the, uh, see, you love your co-workers. See, you love your neighbors. You love your friends. You, you've got a love for your church. And love never fails because it supersedes the speck that in other people's eyes. A love that's willing to give and not receive. A love that wants to bless and not criticize. A love that wants to edify and not condemn. A love that understands. It understands that people have bad days. Yes, what they said was hurtful and wrong, but we need to pray for them because, you know, you don't know what they're dealing with in their own personal life. When you love people, you understand that they may be having a bad day. A a love that prays for your teacher and not gossips about your teacher. A love that prays for your boss, not gossips about your boss. See, a love that gives to others in their emotional needs and not attacks them in their emotional need. A love that forgives wrongs. I love this church. I'm telling you, I love this church. It's not perfect. People here are not perfect. But here's what I'm telling you. The fruit that this ministry is producing in the lives of people, what we're doing in that nursery, instilling biblical truth from very early in age, through all of our schools, through all of our camp, through all of our programs, through everything that this place does, through all of the ministry outlets, through our Sundays and Wednesdays, what we're doing in people's lives is immeasurable right now. Do we have critics? Long list of them. Do we have fault finders? Long, long list of them. But I'm telling you, I love this church. I love this church. I love our school. 
for some 46 years now. It's not perfect. People in leadership are not perfect. But what it's doing and what it's providing academically, spiritually, physically, what it's providing is not comparable, not even close anywhere around. Josh and I were talking this last week. What are you going to do? Leave here? Where are you going to go that's better? Well, what now? Okay, so now what are you going to do? Do we have critics in our school? Long, long list. We have fault finders. They make a day of finding fault and criticizing. But I tell you what, I love our church's school. I love what we're providing in young people's lives. I've loved my friends. Got some great friends. We have a great time together. I love my wife. I love my wife. Unbelievable. I'm going to tell you, I love my life. I'm, I'm living a great life, and I love my life. Today, on Valentine's Day, I want to say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. I love you, and I'm so grateful to you. I'm so grateful to you for not condemning me, not giving me what I deserve. Lord, I love you, and I'm grateful to you for the blessed life that I'm enjoying. I'm not perfect. I got a log in my own eye, and everybody else doesn't have anything but a speck. Truth is, I need everybody around me, and for sure those that know me. I need them to live with my imperfections. I need them to live with my imperfections, pray for me, shake their head, pat me on the back, but stay committed to what we're doing. I so need that in my life. And I need a group of people that won't be critical, that won't be hurtful, that won't find fault. I need a group of people that'll overlook my imperfections. Guess where that leaves me? Where that leaves me is I'm going to have to overlook other people's imperfections. I'm going to have to quit being so critical, so negative, so fault-finding, so judgmental of everybody that's around me. Why? Because I'm in such need of that myself. I need everybody around me to live with my imperfections, so I'm going to have to live with others' imperfections. Today, I want to end with my third most unfavorite scripture. And I'm going to ask you to write this one down and tape it on your refrigerator. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. If you'll notice, this is not a suggestion. Colossians 3, 13. It's not a suggestion. It tells you, here's what you're going to do. You're going to make allowances for other people's faults. And you're going to forgive. If you'll notice, it doesn't have any exceptions. Well, Tim, you don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. Well, Tim, you don't, I don't need to know. I don't need to know whether it was true or not true what was said about you. I don't need you to justify what you did and what they did and tell me how wrong what they did. Well, I don't need to know none of that. All I need to know is I'm commanded in God's word to make allowances for other people's faults and to forgive them. Others have faults and you and I are to make allowances for them. Others will offend you and you and I are to forgive them. Parents, don't teach your kids to quit. Teach your kids to make allowances for other people's faults.
Parents, don't teach your kids to walk off the court and sit down. Teach them to forgive and keep playing hard. The art of forgiveness is one of the most valuable lessons any parent can teach their child. It's Valentine's Day today. Let's live in love. Everybody, all people, everywhere, the world's full of imperfect people. You'll never find a perfect teacher. You'll never find a perfect school. You'll never find a perfect church. You'll never find a perfect mate. You'll never find a perfect neighbors. You'll never find perfect people. But when you learn to forgive, just exactly like you want others to forgive you, when you live in love, then and only then can you live with imperfect people. Y'all stand with me. Lord, today on Valentine's Day, we express our love to you. We love you, Lord. We're grateful to you. Lord, today, our focus, our focus gets off of everybody else's speck and our focus gets on our own log. Lord, just in the measure that we've forgiven others, so we walk in that same forgiveness to others. Help us, Lord, as we live a blessed, happy, prosperous life in the midst of all of us that are very imperfect. Thank you, Lord, for not condemning us for our imperfections, but thank you for forgiving us and washing us clean. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.